Welcome to Outside the Walls. My name is Casey. And I'm Mark. It is good to have you with us. If you are new to this show, welcome. Welcome. This is a a podcast put out by the Westside Church of Christ. And our current series, we're going and following our preacher, Nathan Guy, and his series on the Sermon on the Mount entitled, One Sermon That Changed the World. And so we were not, we, we missed a couple of weeks ago sermon. So we're going to give yes. you a special peek into two weeks ago, which that sermon was called To Tell the Truth. And it was based on Matthew 5, 31 to 37. And then we're going to uh, dive a little bit deeper into this current week's sermon, which was A Perfect Love. And so we welcome you to the show. If you have any comments, questions, feedback, we welcome you to email us podcast at wschurch.net. We would love to interact with you uh, through that means. We also want to reference a few resources for you. Of course, you can check us out on Facebook. Uh, We have a YouTube channel. You can go and listen to these sermons. Great landing page is nathanguy.com. He has a lot of resources referenced there, including a study book that we're we're kind of using as somewhat of a notes. We also have a class at Westside called Dive Deeper, which that's the study book that they're using. You can download that for free at nathanguy.com. And so we encourage you to go there and check out all the video links he has available and uh, podcast links, article links, a lot of great stuff there. So as we get into it, I want to briefly have a couple of key takeaways for the sermon two weeks ago, which was to tell the truth. And the objective in that sermon was to view transparent honesty as a core Christian value, the foundation of trust. And so we're going to read for you the section that this sermon came from. It comes from Matthew 5 and verse 31 through 37. And so Mark, can you read that? I would love to. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress, and anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. All right. Thank you. So we want to give you a few key takeaways before we jump into the next sermon. So, Mark, what are a couple of takeaways that you had? I think I have one written down here, but it's a pretty good one, I think. I wrote, Jesus is pushing us to think beyond rules, which means Mm -hmm. you can do the things he tells you not to do and not do the things he tells you to do which is a strange thing that was mentioned in the sermon. This is why Jesus uses hyperbole to get his point across. Both testaments use the word fool. And of course, you wouldn't literally cut off your hand or pluck out your eye. But the kingdom of God is that important. Yes. And I'm referring back to the previous part, but this has to do with the same thing. Or no, I'm sorry. I I did this the wrong way. Oh no, that's all right. I remember I remember I remember hearing I think it was my father in law 
you you mentioning this made me think that he said Larry Bankson is his name. He said if if we took this literally, these passages literally, particularly the ones that uh, talk about you know plucking out your eye, cutting off your hand, we'd have a lot of one armed and one eyed Christians yes. walking around. And so <laughs> so yeah, definitely. And and Nathan has mentioned this several times as we've gone through these antitheses. And it sounds like a big word, but as we go through this section of chapter five, Jesus is pointing out, you've heard that it was said, kind of the oral tradition of the law that's been handed down, but I say to you. And so he's giving an antithesis in, yes. in each of these. And so so that's what we mean when we say antitheses or statements of antithesis. And so, so yeah, he's definitely using hyperbole through all of these. Yes. And of course, I've that has more to do with this week's sermon, but I guess it kind of has to do the same with the previous weeks, I think some of the bigger things is that we live in a broken world. And so some of these things like divorce, there are things that happen that we have to look at and realize that situations probably aren't as clear as we usually think they are. And one of the important things to realize is that Jesus knows this when he's saying this. And so if we're being very strict as to checking the boxes about what he's talking about, then we're losing the entire spirit of what Jesus is telling us. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, This is not a checklist, but rather, let's see, I'm trying to think exactly how it was put, but rather how to, Jesus is trying to tell us how to be in right standing with God and not necessarily just checklists of things that we need to do in order to be righteous because there's there's not enough things that we can do to be righteous. (laughs) And so, yes. All right. Great. So a takeaway that I have from this past week's to tell the truth is if we want to fix the adultery problem, stop divorcing, <laughs> which I thought was uh, a great, a great statement. Because a lot of times we get hung up in this section of the Sermon on the Mount and also in Jesus teaching on marriage, divorce and remarriage over in Matthew chapter 19 about how, when is it okay to divorce? You know, what are the exceptions to being able to remarry? And, you know, it seems like that's a lot of times where, where our focus is directed. But I thought it was a beautiful sentiment that if we want to fix the adultery problem, stop divorcing. Yes, <laughs> that's what Jesus' point is. Not what, you know, what exception is there? What loophole is there out there that you can, you know, divorce, divorce your spouse and, and be okay, be in right standing with God? That's not the point. The point is stop divorcing each other. And I mean, that speaks so loudly, especially in our culture where over 50% of marriages mm-hmm. end in divorce. So if we want as a body of Christ to fix the adultery problem, stop divorcing. Don't try and figure out different loopholes. I thought it was also a powerful statement that divorce is a public lie. You know, as we mm-hmm. talk about the sermon title, To Tell the Truth, Keeping O's, which we've kind of talked about the progression of these antitheses, and it stands true with this too. You know, divorce is a public lie because when you're standing there on your marriage day, you're making that commitment to your spouse, to the to the preacher there, to the court, to the state to the world that you are going to love this person with everything you have till the day you die. And whenever divorce happens, oaths oaths have been broken. Yes. So Jesus transitions to the next section about oaths. And so 
that's that that lines up perfectly with that. So that was a huge takeaway for me, and just the idea that without truth there is no trust, and stands true in marriage, stands true in our friendships, in our work relationships. Without truth, there is no trust, and so so those are our takeaways from a couple of weeks ago. I think we can go with this for a lot of the things that Jesus is talking about, but it makes me think about it when you're talking about divorce. You mentioned that over 50% of marriages in the U.S. end in divorce. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us sit down and think, well, how can we fix this huge problem around the world, you know? Yeah. And like all the other problems, it starts at home. We have Mm -hmm. to do it ourselves. It may not immediately impact the entire world. That's right. But if we all start doing it at home, eventually it'll change the entire world. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, so let's jump into this past week's sermon from October 8th, which is entitled A Perfect Love. And so this comes from Matthew 5, 38 to 48, and we'll read that in just a minute. But the objective of this particular sermon is to see love of enemy as the ultimate end of Jesus' high calling and the chief sign of of Christian maturity. And so this is going to wrap up chapter five in this section of antithesis statements that Jesus is making. And it has a very interesting transition verse there at the end of chapter five, which we'll kind of hash out here in, in just a little bit. But I'll let Mark read this section and then I'll start off with the takeaways uh, first. So Matthew five thirty eight, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, are not even the tax collectors doing that? I'm sorry, let's read verse 46 again. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Thank you. All right, so we'll go through, if you're new to this show, what we like to do is give our takeaways as the hosts, and then we'll have some Q&As to follow that up. And then to close it all out, we'll leave you with a challenge for the week. And so I'll start off with our takeaways on this particular sermon. First key takeaway for me was that Jesus is not giving us a new law, but fresh eyes. And this has kind of been a repetitive theme as we've gone through each of these statements over the last few weeks that he's not trying to change the law. He's not trying to give us a new law, which is kind of a reference back to back in verse 17. I didn't come to abolish the law or prophets. I've come to fulfill them. And so Jesus is giving us fresh eyes to look at this law. So he's not trying to overturn it or to do away with it or to to change it. Rather, he's giving us fresh eyes. And so I like that perspective. Another takeaway, violence breeds more violence. As we think about this section on retaliation, 
Uh, that's that statement was just resonated with me that violence breeds more violence. Oftentimes, we not only want to get back at somebody for what they did, but we want to almost one up them <laughs> in our retaliation. And the old law was designed to keep punishment balanced with crime. And that's why Jesus references that that old saying, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It was meant to not allow the one who is seeking retribution to go beyond, I guess, an equal punishment for the crime. And so Jesus is saying, this is what you've heard. And so typically human nature, I suppose, is to not make it even. But since you since you have inconvenienced me with your crime, I'm going to go above and beyond to inconvenience <laughs> you in my retaliation. I, I thought it was a beautiful quote that, that, was, that Nathan pointed out by Gandhi, an eye for an eye makes the world blind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's so true. It kind of goes, goes back to what I referenced my father-in-law saying that, you know, if, if we were to take these statements literally, there'd be a lot of one-eyed and one-limbed Christians. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I think Gandhi recognizes that, uh, no, we'd just all be blind because <laughs> we had continue taking out each other's eyes. Uh, I thought it was beautiful, the the examples that, that were pointed out in verses 38 through 42, examples that Jesus gives on retaliation. And the takeaway that I got from the examples, he mentions four examples in, in verses 38 through 42 about different ways that we retaliate, but it challenges us to give more than what's expected and to give without limits. And I think that was a huge takeaway from just how we should have fresh eyes when it comes to retaliation. The kingdom is more important than stuff and money. That's another takeaway that I got from the examples that are mentioned there. And then in the the follow-up section on loving your enemies in verse 30 or uh, 43 to 48, love neighbor makes us look like God. Loving our neighbor makes us look like God. And then my last takeaway, and then I'll hand it over to Mark, is that love is not giving people what they want but what they need. Mm-hmm. And we'll kind of hash that out a little bit in the in the Q&A section next, but love is not giving people what they want, but what they need. I like it. All right. So some of the things I took away are very similar to the things that you took away. My first one was, remember the Sermon on the Mount is not giving us new laws, but giving us fresh eyes to see what God has always intended. Mm-hmm. I don't want you, this is what Jesus would say something like this. I don't want you to do something because it's a rule. I want you to be like me. And so that's, Mm. yeah, that's definitely going towards that last verse in the chapter. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Mm. The next thing is in the kingdom of God, the kingdom is about love, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the kingdom is more important than our stuff, which Mm. is something else you pointed out. The kingdom of God is about unending benevolence, which means the kingdom is more important than your labor, your time, or even your rights. A lot of this stuff that Jesus was talking about is giving up your rights or Mm -hmm. what the world would consider your rights to benefit other people. And I like that whole idea is of the unending benevolence. You know, if we, again, start this at home, the benevolence of helping each other out, eventually the world will be the same way 
and that is the kingdom that God wants us to have. Yeah, that kind of makes me think of, you mentioned earlier, the checklist mentality. Mm-hmm. A lot of times whenever I, I'm a very checklist oriented person. <laughs> and so when it comes to something like benevolence, I like to think, oh yeah, I did that, good to go. And yeah. then don't have to worry about it. But yeah, your your observation, your takeaway is is very, you know, appropriate. It's unending. It's not something that can be checked off. It's mm-hmm. something that is continual. So that's good. I like that. And then the last thing I have is the kingdom of God is more important than your money. When judgment comes, Matthew 25 says the measure will be your deeds toward the poor, Mm. not how much you had kept in your pockets, Mm. which you hear that a lot from people. You know, you you can't, what is it? You can't take a U-Haul with you to the grave or something like (laughs) that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, with that said, we'd like to spend some time in reflecting on some questions and answers. And we'd encourage you as we mention these things, as we ask these questions, maybe press pause, reflect on them yourself. Think about maybe how you you might answer that. And, and we'll give our responses. And if there's any insights that you would love to share, again, you can email us, podcast at wschurch.net. We'd love to hear from you. So, the first one is maybe a statement, and we're going to respond to it, but name sometime in your life when it was hard to love a close friend. Name sometime in your life when it was hard to love a close friend. And I would say there was, there's been times in my life where a close friend has called me on the carpet, and initially my knee-jerk reaction is not a great one Mm -hmm. to that, which is something that I need to work on. But whenever somebody uh, keeps me accountable uh, for the way that I'm acting, talking, living, it's hard to love them in that moment. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I appreciate it after the fact, after I've had some time to cool off. But whenever, whenever I'm challenged, I guess, by a close friend. I know this has happened several times in my life, and I'm trying to think of one specific one. I'm sure it's probably happened with a lot of my friends, unfortunately, I guess. And it would be something very similar when your first reaction is you're angry that they mentioned something, and then eventually after some time you realize they did it because they love you. Mm -hmm. And that makes you realize how much they love you and how much you need to love them back. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, the next one and these sections on retaliation and loving your enemies, what problems do you see with abiding by Jesus teaching in this section? Mm. What problems do you see with abiding by Jesus teaching in this section? For me, a lot of this has to go back to Jesus doesn't give an explanation for every situation. Mm-hmm. And so kind of leaves it up to us to interpret. Yes. Yeah. And I wish I had it in one of the books, but they mentioned in these difficult parts where he doesn't specifically address it. The author gives like several things to do. It's like pray, mm-hmm. uh, study with other Christian friends, meditate, something else. And then at the end, pray again. Mm-hmm. And, Hopefully, uh, you'll be able to better understand what God wants you to do in those situations. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One of the things that I see as a problem is taking this extremely literally. 
which we've kind of mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, we mentioned that these statements are hyperbole and there's no difference in this section. But a problem that I see by abiding by his teaching is, you know, well, I, I'm constantly going to have to be getting slapped on both cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm setting myself up for abuse, which I, I thought was important to point out that this is not, I guess, justification for an abusive spouse. Right. This, that's not what Jesus is getting at here, but he's using hyperbole. And so I see that as a problem by abiding by his teaching, because if we don't understand that he's using hyperbole, we might you know, take these to the extreme and end up with absolutely nothing. If somebody comes along and is demanding certain things for us, you know, we might end up, you know, out on the street, not able to take care of our families because we've tried to stick to this and, and someone sued, sued me. So I'm going to give them absolutely everything and leave my family out on the street. And so it could certainly be a problem, you know, following this literally, which is, which is not Jesus point, which we'll kind of hash out some more as, as we go. But I think the point is again, you know, loving people, giving more than what's expected and, and that, you know, the kingdom is not limited to your money, but the kingdom is more than stuff and money. And so Mm -hmm. I think these are Jesus' points and not necessarily to, to look at these examples as literal, but as hyperbole. And so, so yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, it would be a problem if you take everything he says literally. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Question number three. Why does love your enemies not mean always give your enemies whatever they think is best for them? Mm. And what are some healthy boundaries? Yeah. I mean, that that came up in the Dive Deeper class. You know, what does it mean to love our enemies? And that doesn't necessarily mean giving them whatever they want. And, you know, if, you know, somebody somebody in class mentioned being at a sporting event like a high school football game and a high school kid came up to him and, and, and asked if they had any money. And, and he said, I, you know, I, I generally don't carry cash on me. We'll get out your wallet. The kid said, and how much money do you have in there kind of thing? And, <laughs> and, and so, you know, obviously you can, you can, as you're thinking about putting yourself in this situation, you know, feeling your defenses rise up. And then the kids start saying, well, you know what Jesus would say about, you know, giving to people and things like that. And, you know, just very, being very, very manipulative, almost demanding of somebody. And, you know, I, I really got to thinking that, you know, loving someone, you know, Jesus talks about loving our enemies, but if somebody comes and is begging from you, give to them, that doesn't necessarily mean give them whatever they're wanting. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what's called a stick up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, that's not helping the needy. And so loving our enemies, you know, did that kid that had obviously gotten into this entertainment event, did he need money? Right. You know, and so I think as we think about giving to the poor, giving to those who are begging from us, giving to those who are in need is, you know, I think it's an appropriate question to ask, what is it that they need and not necessarily what they want? And just because somebody comes up to us and is wanting money, that might not necessarily be what they need. And so uh, I think loving those around us, particularly our enemies, is not you know, our, our knee-jerk reaction, I think, is to give them what they want mm-hmm. instead of thinking about what is it that they need. Mm-hmm. I really liked 
at in this section of that diving deeper book that you can get on Nathan's website, mm-hmm. John Piper. There's a video link yeah. to his video. That was and really good. It, it was Nathan also gave a similar example. Is you know if a drug addict comes up to you and says, "Give me some drugs." It's like, you're not going to say yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, right. Because that's not good for them. That's what they want, though. Yeah, yeah. 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 But that's not good for them. He also mentions, I guess he gave some real life examples and he said, you know, somebody calls him who's suicidal mm. and he, he goes over to their house and maybe he sees the pills on the table that the person was going to take. He grabs those and takes them away, even though that person didn't want him to do that. And they start yeah. to get upset. They mm-hmm. want the pills back, and he says, absolutely, I'm not going to give them back because it's not what you want, but it's what's best for you. Right. But he also gave some examples that are really difficult that I think are interesting for us to think about. He mentioned one where, say you have a neighbor down the street. It's a single mom. She has a bunch of kids. She doesn't have a washer or dryer at home, and it's wintertime, and it's just a cold walk to the laundromat. And so maybe you decide to start saving up your money so you could buy her a washer and dryer. You finally save up the 600 bucks uh, that you need to buy it for. Her. But then you have another friend come up and say, hey, my car needs repairs. Would you loan me $600 to repair my car? What would you do in a situation mm. like that? Huh. Yeah. And that puts you in a little conundrum, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. I don't have an answer. Yeah. But yeah, that's a difficult one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's situations like that that we kind of pit against each other. And I really think that, you know, whatever you decide to do would be helping somebody else. Yeah. And I I think that would be the ultimate goal. So, yeah. And I, you know, I also think about this as far as when Jesus was on trial, they were demanding of things that at that point they were his enemies. And they were demanding miracles. And I think it's important for us to hear Jesus say no. Mm. And whenever our enemies or somebody is coming up to us on the streets asking for certain things, it's important for us to take a step back, think about what they need and realize that sometimes it is okay to say no, Mm -hmm. because would it have been wrong for Jesus to have performed miracles to prove who he was? Absolutely not. But he recognized that is not what they need right Mm -hmm. now. It doesn't matter if I give them a miracle. And sometimes somebody that is coming up demanding or requesting something, it's not going to change what they actually need. You're not going to be giving them what they need by giving them what they want. So uh, I, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind in the life of Christ that he also didn't always give people what they wanted but he he sought to give them what they needed and uh, they were doing all that and he still forgave them yeah yeah that's right and i think forgiveness is a big part of it and absolutely something else that was mentioned is forgiveness isn't trust Mm -hmm. you can forgive someone but it takes a while to build trust yeah 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 absolutely you know i i think you can you can love your neighbor and not necessarily want to be best friends with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I hear it sometimes. It's like with your spouse, it's like, I love you, but I really don't like you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a good point. What does it 
or what does go an extra mile look like in our daily lives? I really like the illustration that uh, Nathan used on Sunday as far as what it meant in Roman times to go the extra mile and how that may have been abused by Roman soldiers. You know, the, the law was, the Roman law was that they could get somebody to carry their gear for them a mile. And so you can imagine how that might be abused. You know, they get to a mile, they've asked, they've told this Jew to carry their stuff for them one mile. And then the next, you know, the Roman soldier buddy that's marching next to him says, well, now I want you to carry it for me another mile. And so, you know, you can see how they may have abused this particular Roman law. And so as I think about going the extra mile and what that looks like in our daily lives, you know, the language that Jesus uses here in the Sermon on the Mount is if someone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. And I think about different situations, different scenarios where we're forced to do one thing and Jesus calls to calls us to go above and beyond what is expected. And I think, you know, in, in some ways, what come to my mind was whenever you're in a restaurant, okay, mm-hmm. and you've received food, you've received service, and so the law forces you to pay that money. But then there's also the line whenever you use your card, the tip line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think Christians have a bad rap. We have a very bad reputation about being very poor tippers. Yes. You know, I, 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 it makes me cringe whenever I hear people in the food industry say, I hate Sunday afternoons because Christians are the worst tippers. Yeah. And it's like... I think about going the extra mile and thinking, you know what, I'm required to pay this much, but this person has gone out of their way to to serve me. And so I'm going to go above and well beyond what I am obligated to pay by the law. And I'm going to give this person extra. Mm. So that's one example. So I like that reference because it also makes me think of something else that you can do is when you're done eating gather up all the plates and forks and stuff and put them together. Yeah, stack them up, put them on the edge of the table, maybe wipe down the table a little bit so it makes it a lot easier for them instead of them having to try to clean up your mess. Similar things, you know, if maybe you're helping out a neighbor, they call you, ask for help moving some tree branches to their front yard. It's like, okay, you go help them do that. But then you could also help them mow after that or, or ask if they need anything else. Right. Try to try to do a little bit extra. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, um, one of the things that we can do when we ask people, you know, a lot of times we'll ask people if they need something. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people want to be polite and say, no, I'm fine. Don't ask next time. Just start doing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that'll, I guess, show your neighbor that you love them and you yeah. really do want to help them. It's a great point. All right, next one. What does it look like to give someone your shirt also if they ask for your coat? Which again, I thought was a was a great illustration that that Nathan used about first century law and the idea was your overcoat was, you know, was what they're asking for and then your undergarments is what Jesus is saying, give to them also. And so what does this, what does this look like? Do you think this is just a, another illustration of going the extra mile? Or do you think there might be something different here? It sounds similar to me. I think he might just be given another illustration, but what do you, what are your thoughts? It could be, it could also, I think go so far as to 
allowing yourself to be embarrassed maybe okay. or, or humiliated okay. to help the other person. And also I think it's kind of like the whole idea of heat burning coals on their head. Uh-huh. It's like I'm yeah. willing to give you so much that I'm embarrassed and it kind of makes that person embarrassed too. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's one of the authors said it was almost like a sarcastic way of helping them out. I don't know if Jesus meant it that far. <laughs> it does. It makes them think twice about what they're doing. Yeah. And of course, this has a lot to do with talking about uh, suing your neighbor uh-huh. and how that they could require your coat as a as a what do you call it? Not a payment. A, yeah, like kind of like a layaway. I can't think of the word either. Yes. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Almost like a loan. Yes. Yeah. Or collateral. Yeah, collateral. And they're expected to give it back at the end of the day or yes. time frame. Yeah. And so um, it kind of reminds you that as, well, as Christians, but also as neighbors, as anyone, we shouldn't be out suing each other mm. we because that's not going to help anything right it ends up bad for both parties when we should just yeah. be looking to help each other out constantly yeah absolutely and i think this speaks too to just the the principle that that jesus is trying to teach here and that is go above and beyond what is expected mm. not only in the minds of the person suing you or uh, asking you for your cloak, but also in the minds of the legal system going above and beyond what is required of you. Because if the law is requiring this bare minimum, then go above and beyond. This wasn't a this wasn't a statement that was made publicly in, in the Dive Deeper class. It was kind of said to me on the side, but the person was saying, it is shocking. He works for the highway department. It is shocking whenever a job is, is being quoted and the contractor that gets the bid, one of the first things they do is ask, what are the bare minimum specs to Mm. build this road? (laughs) And my friend was like, we're building a road that millions of cars are going to be driving on. And you're wondering what's the bare minimum to get by with it. Like you need to be going above and beyond what the bare minimum is. And I think that's what Jesus point is, is go above and beyond what people expect. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's the big question. The sixth question, what do you think Jesus means by be perfect? Mm. Yeah, a lot of times people will look at that and say, well, perfect, that's not really what Jesus is getting at. He's he's suggesting that it's it's more of a, you know, maturity or come to completion. And, you know, I, I don't know that that's what Jesus is saying. I think he is using hyperbole. But I think the hyperbole is in the perfection statement. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously nobody can be perfect, but I think that's that should be the goal. And I think whenever we minimize it by saying, oh, well, he's not talking about perfect, perfect. He's he's just talking about, you know, complete, mature. No, I think he's talking about the perfection that God has. That is our aim. And and that is that is what we're seeking after. You know, at the end of all these antitheses, our goal in all of this is perfection, and mm-hmm. and that's that's what we're aiming towards. I think it kind of goes back to the objective of this sermon, which is to see love of enemy as the ultimate end of Jesus' high calling and the chief sign of mm-hmm. Christian maturity. Yes. So yes. that is the goal of a Christian. Yes. And so that's what we need to be looking towards is for that perfection. That's right. That's right. C.S. Lewis had a great quote uh, that we'll, we'll take a minute to reflect on. He said, don't wait till you like your neighbor before you love them. 
Go ahead and love them. And if you love them long enough, you might end up liking them as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that kind of speaks to what you were referencing earlier as far as, you know, you can love somebody without necessarily liking them. Yeah. And you were on the same page as C.S. Lewis, man. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say that was my original I, or was my original thought. <laughs> but, yeah, I think the – I think – C.S. Lewis's sentiment is right in line with with Jesus here that, you know, if you wait until you like somebody to love them, you're never going to get around to loving some people (laughs) (laughs) because some people just aren't very likable people, (laughs) to be honest with you. And so that's that's not the call of Jesus here. The call is to love your enemies. And, you know, even and that obviously means people that you don't like. And and, you know. If you love them long enough, just like C.S. Lewis says here, you might end up liking them. You know, there's a lot of movies in Hollywood that kind of do a similar thing with their characters. I don't know if they realize it's a biblical idea or a C.S. Lewis idea, (laughs) but it's like two people that can't stand each other end up spending a bunch of time together and eventually they start to get along. Eventually they become best friends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are people I can think of who for some reason or another, I did not like them. Yeah, absolutely. For a long time. (laughs) And then, you know, a year later or something, we're best friends. We're getting along. Usually it's because of some kind of misunderstanding, Uh but yeah, eventually you start to like them. Of course, you love them from the beginning, or at least I hope you do, because you have to understand that every person is a person that God has created. Yeah. And they're a soul, and we want that soul to be with God, right. even if we don't really like them. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I can't remember if it was part of the Sermon on the Mount series or if it was a previous series that we watched the clip in during the sermon of the Botham John trial mm, and the mm-hmm. statement that his brother made and just the the forgiveness that he had towards the the lady who had shot and killed his brother Botham who was an off-duty police officer had just gotten off duty and just the emotion that was in that speech and I can guarantee you that in that moment he did not like her yeah you know like she was on trial for the murder of his brother whom he loved and so he didn't like her, but he expressed love. He expressed forgiveness. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. And we might not ever get around to liking them, you know, as C.S. Lewis said. But even your worst enemies love them and start there. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think that's one of the big points of this. Yeah. Love your enemies. So what are some practical ways to love your neighbor? Mm. I think it's important as we as we reflect on this question to I guess define what neighbor is. You know, when when I think it's Luke that records the the parable of the Good Samaritan mm-hmm. and the idea in that is loving your neighbor and and when you think about what neighbor means some, a lot of times in our context, we might think of neighbor like the person who lives right next door to me. But the idea behind what that word means is you could you could translate it literally in parts of the New Testament as the person who is near you. Mm. And so loving the person who is near you. And so that could be in the marketplace. That could be in your travels at the gas station. You know, your neighbor is much more broad than just our physical neighborhood. And so some practical ways to loving our neighbor, I think 
just greeting somebody with a smile. Hmm. You know, if you're at a gas station, you know, somebody pulls up and you smile at them and wave. There's been times that my boys have been like, do you know that guy? I was like, no, I was just trying to be friendly. It's that just on the most basic practical level. Sometimes we just forget to be friendly with people. And sometimes we might not ever develop a relationship with them because it is passing in travels. But Jesus is calling us to to love those that we come across on a daily basis. Mm hmm. I think one of the things that makes it a little bit easier for me, you know, when I'm going to the grocery store or something, is to try to remember that we don't know what that other person is going Mm -hmm. through. They could be going through the roughest day of their life. And maybe even, like you said, a smile could change it or or letting them get in front of you in the line or, you know, any small thing. Helping an old lady with her groceries. Come to find out, you know, her husband passed away the day before and he always helped her. Right. So little things like that just... You don't understand what they're going through, so just try to be as friendly to everyone as possible. Yeah. And also, I want to bring up, um, you know, when Jesus was saying this, they didn't have things like the internet. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's kind of a new admission. Yeah. So <laughs> our idea of neighbor goes way beyond what it used to. Mm-hmm. We're interacting with people on the other side of the world. Right. That, that person is still our neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Neighbor is a lot broader context. Yeah. That is for sure. And so it's, the, you know, that's a great point as far as how we communicate with people on social media. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we get into social media, you know, verbal warfare way too often as Christians. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is not the time nor the place. There are people that have disagreements with us that that we are not showing love towards in the way that we talk. And we can be a lot more bold behind our screens yep. and our keyboards than we ever would face-to-face. And so I think it's a call for us, especially in our modern context, to what does that look like to love our neighbors? And what are we saying to them? What are we messaging them? How are we treating people that might be across the world, but they're our neighbors through means of the internet? So yeah, that's a great, great thing to point out. All right. So in closing, we want to give you some challenges for this week. And I'll, I'll try to challenge myself with these as well. Okay. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right. So anytime you feel offended, coerced, or taken advantage of, immediately seek to bless the life of the person responsible. Mm. That's going to be hard. Yes, it is. All right. Now, this, this first one, it's worded kind of strange, so I'll try to explain it after I read it. Pray for God's eyes to see that person. I first read that and thought, well, God already sees that person. But I think what it means is pray that you have the eyes of God to see that person. Mm. See that person how God sees that person. See that person is through God's eyes. Yes. Plan something very practical to show love to that person. Mm -hmm. I think that that pretty easy to do. You can find something this week. Yeah. And random acts of kindness are great, but intentionally planning something for that person Mm. takes it to the next level. Yep. Go over the top and see the radical love of God change things. Mm. This is fun. This is a fun one (sighs) because it's, to me, it's always surprising. No matter how many times you, you do this, you're always amazed to see how God changes situations and relationships. If you just obey what he wants you to do. Don't try to manipulate it to your situation. Just do what you've been told and see it work. Yeah. Yeah. And so a second layer to this challenge, if you will, is for this week, 
take the passage as literally as possible. You know, we've sat here and said, you know, this is hyperbole, but the challenge is take it as literally as possible. Give to everyone who asks of you. Mm. Don't think about ulterior motives of whether or not that's what they need for this week. Take it literally, go above and beyond and, and just bless others. Sounds like fun. And if you've done these things and you see some results, let us know. Email us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, podcast at wschurch.net. Next week, this coming up Sunday, is going to be a special sermon. We're going to be dueling. Mm. Dueling. <laughs> yeah, so Nathan and I are both going to be preaching this coming up week as we get dive into chapter six. And the title of the sermon is Our God Who Sees in Secret. And so we're going to talk about the spiritual disciplines that Jesus lays out in chapter six. And so we're looking forward to, to having that dual sermon. So I'll have to figure out what to do with the podcast for that one. I was thinking, (laughs) well, because usually Nathan is giving the sermon. So you and I talk about him while he's not here. (laughs) Then when you gave the sermon on anger, Nathan came up and he and I talked about you. We might just have to have all three of us on here. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) So tune in next week. It'll it'll be a special (laughs) podcast episode as well. (laughs) And make sure you come to church and watch it. Or if you can't, watch it online. Yeah. And so we've referenced the Living the Sermon on the Mount uh, book that can be found on uh, NathanGuy.com. And the video that Mark referenced earlier by John Piper is linked in that PDF. There's also a video by Tim Mackey, who is one of the founders, if not the founder of the Bible Project. There's a great video on there, Love Your Enemies, that is linked. There's a podcast link to a Martin Luther King Jr. speech. Uh, There's an article on there about C.S. Lewis. So a lot of great links uh, in this particular lesson in that PDF. But then the the books that that are kind of a, I guess not a substitute, what am I thinking? Supplement. Supplement. There we go. Supplement to the series. Living Jesus by Randy Harris, The Sermon on the Mount by Ed Gallagher, and The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And so you can find links uh, to all those in the PDF as well. So with that said, we'll close it out. Thank you guys for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you know whenever we drop the next episode, share it with somebody who you think might be in need of encouragement. And until next time, we love you. Love you.